Love you, man. That was a poor, a poor hand of applause. Come on, give it up. Give it up for your pastor and his wife. They're awesome. Okay, I want you to have a moment with me, okay? You saw all these moms. First of all, raise your hand if you have one, two, or three kids under the age of seven. Raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand. Keep them up. Keep them up. I want you to look around. Now, guys, I want you to have a big moment of silence right now. Just a moment of silence. Have a moment. No, quiet, quiet. Real quiet, real quiet. That's the only moment of silence they're going to have all week. So thank you for doing that. And by the way, the humor's not good today, but moms, I'm just going to say one thing. For all you do, this bud's for you. Come on, that's it. So it doesn't get much better than that, but here we go. In 2002, Rick Warren, one of my mentors, published a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Many of you have read it. We've studied it here at this church. It became the leading selling book other than the Bible in the Christian venue. It has sold over 60 million copies. It's been published in 85 different languages. And he began that book with four words. As I begin to say them, just say them with me. It's not about you. Come on, say it with me. Come on. It's not about you. Now, with great respect, because of Pastor Greg, I'm going to get to publish my newest book this year called I Get You, but I love my subtitle. I don't get you at all. Come on, people. <laughs> See, that's the problem in every relationship. In most marriages, it don't make it, and there are 60% divorces. They don't get each other. There's brokenness in families. There's brokenness between moms and sons and daughters. It's all because we don't get each other, okay? So I'm going to open my book with four words, and I don't want you to ever forget them because they're supported in the Bible. It's all about you. Come on, people. Say it with me. It's all about you. Now, some of you are troubled as if I don't know that it's all about God. Come on, people. Lighten up. God made it all about you. Have you been in the story? We start with creation, and he creates Adam and Eve, and he puts them in a garden. He says, everything I have is yours. You can eat from any of the trees. Only one you can't eat from, the knowledge of good and evil. You know what that tree really stands for, don't you? When we eat of that tree, we decide what's good and evil. And when we decide what's good and evil, we go south. Are you with me? He only blocked us from really two trees. One, the knowledge of good and evil, he didn't block us from, and they ate from that tree because we all did. We all think God's holding out on us. If we hear that God gives the Ten Commandments, we think, yeah, but he didn't really mean them that way for me. Of course he did, to provide and protect you. So Adam is said everything. I, I gave you Eve, and he says, wow. This woman that he said is unbelievable. When you eat from the knowledge of good and evil, guess what the first thing they do? They saw they were naked, they hid, they covered up, they began to blame and shame each other. It went from, wow, Eve is unbelievable to that woman you gave me. Come on, you know, you know the story. But God didn't punish them. He protected them. Read the text. He blocked them from the tree of eternal life so that they wouldn't live eternally without him, the tree of life. He offered the first sacrifice to clothe them and to protect them and to restore them. And you can read about this story from that point all the way 
to Revelation to see that he's bringing you back to himself. And guess who he's trusting to carry that message, moms? You. Say with me, it's all about me. Come on, say it. It's all about me. Yeah, it's all about whether you will hear his voice and be the mom that he's called you to be. Dad, it's all about you. Will you hear the voice of God? You see, if you go through the story, some listen to the voice of God and we have incredible results. Start with Abraham. Abraham, leave your land. Follow me. I will make you a father of all nations that will outnumber the stars. You and Sarah, I'm going to birth a nation through you. And Abraham listens and he goes. And when he listens to that voice, everything is just as God plans it to be. But when he's 90 and the promise that God promised him hasn't come true, guess what we all try to do? We try to help God out. You know what Abraham did. He couldn't have his own son. Sarah was too old to have a son. So he thought he'll just... He'll just help God out a little. You know the story. So he takes a servant and he has Ishmael. He, he creates his own son. But God said, no, I'm going to create you, your own son. Sarah's going to have a child. And they're too old. By the way, read the Bible because there's a lot of humor in it. Sarah laughs when God tells her she's going to have a son because she knows she can't. You know what she's saying? She's mad at Abraham because this is all men, aren't they? Abraham thinks he can still do it, and she's laughing out loud. Come on. (laughs) Men are just ridiculous, right, women? Come on, men are ridiculous. But guess what? Guess what? God says, no, you're going to have a son. And Sarah is laughing for two reasons, so laugh with me. She's not thinking of buying diapers for her new baby. She's buying Depends for Abraham. Come on. She's thinking, if we have a baby, we'll have to strain all the food, but that'll be fine. There's not a tooth in the house. That's why I'm doing all the food anyway. It's a hilarious story. But God says, it's all about you. If you trust me, I will bless you. You'll be the father and the mother of nations. And then we go down the line and we we meet Moses. And God says, I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard their cries. I felt their pain. Have you read that story in in Genesis? In in Deuteronomy 3, it's unbelievable. The Exodus, and so he comes to Moses. I meant in Genesis, but in in Exodus 3, he says to Moses at the burning bush, you're going to set my people free. And here's what gets my attention every time. God says, I've come down to set my people free. And then he says to Moses, so I'm sending you. Come on, say it's all about you. Come on, say it. It's all about you. Is Moses going to listen to the voice of God? I know God could set the people free, but he chooses Moses to do it. Moses tries it his own way, and he kills an Egyptian one day when he's abusing one of the Israelites. Can I ask you a question? How long do you think it would take for Moses to kill the entire Egyptian army one by one? Come on, it's hilarious. And so he goes into exile. He does it his way, and it goes south. But when he listens to the voice of God in the burning bush... And God says, do it my way. I will be with you. You go to the Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And so Moses goes because it's all about listening to the voice of God and doing it his way. So moms, I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids today. I'm not that stupid. Come on, look at me. I'm not going to challenge you how you discipline your kids. I'm going to ask you to listen to one voice. And that's the voice of the father. We get to David. 
By the way, I love this story. We never read the whole text, so we don't ever enjoy the Bible. David goes into camp to bring food to his brothers. You know the story. And they make fun of him. They say, you go home, you little scrawny kid. He's the youngest. What are you doing here? You're not even working at home. And all of a sudden, Goliath comes out and begins to taunt the people. And David wonders, is anybody going to do anything about this? And everybody is fearful. Everybody is cowering. And then David hears one of the commanders say, whoever kills Goliath can marry the king's daughter, never pay taxes again, and inherit half of the kingdom. And David said, what did you say? Come on, people. And guess what they repeated? Whoever kills Goliath can marry the king's daughter, never pay taxes again, and rule half of the kingdom. And David actually said, what did you say? He went to another group and said, what will be done for the man who kills Goliath? He can marry the king's daughter. By the way, when David went out to kill Goliath, he was humming, here comes the bride. Come on, people. No, you, you want to spiritualize this. God got his attention with his voice in his world. Now, of course, he knew that God had helped him kill a lion and a bear. I'm not trying to say there's not a spiritual side of this, but God got his attention through his voice. And moms and dads, you want to be awesome parents? Oh, you're going to fail many times. You're going to make the wrong mistakes many times. You're going to succeed many times. But your success will come when you listen to the voice of God. Now, when they asked me to preach on Mother's Day, I was all excited. Because you guys know it's the third largest attendance in any church. Come on, give it up. Give it up for yourself. Give it up. Come on, give it up. And I told Greg, you must be mistaken. He said, Rob, when I preached Mother's Day for 42 years, you surely have one good one. Come on, people. <laughs> and then we're in the story. So I was all excited about preaching because I thought it was going to be a standalone Sunday. And then they gave me a text. It's after Solomon. It's his sons, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. This is the most disastrous text in all the story. I promise you. These are bad boys. These are bad boys. The only thing you could say is their mom sucks. Come on, that's all. That's all you can say. This is terrible. Read the story. Have you read the story? These guys don't listen to the right voices. These guys actually don't listen to the voice of God. And this kingdom is totally torn apart. So go to the text today. Let me read it for you, okay? But there is a nugget of truth in this story. I could read it if you put it up. That would be awesome. <laughs> Your father Solomon put a heavy yoke, a heavy burden on us. Now, if you lighten their load, if you lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke that he put on us, we will follow you forever. You see, here's the deal. Rehoboam took over. He's the son. And he called the elders of the church. How should I lead? Now, you remember what Greg taught us. Solomon didn't end well. Solomon ended by wanting more and more labor, more and more strain on the people. He misused the people for his own glory. He wanted more and more palaces. He wanted more and more wives. He wanted more and more wealth. He wanted more and more power. I ordered the book this week based on the story of Solomon that changed my life. Richard Foster's book, Money, Sex, and Power. You want to know what's going to lead your life to destruction? More, more, more of money, sex, and power. So Solomon ends up having 700 wives and 300 mistresses. Do you know there's only one thing worse than 700 wives? 700 moms. Come on, people. 
700 voices that never tell you the right way to go. 700 voices from different religions, different idols, different palaces, 700 voices, and it leads you to be confused. But if our kids at best get the voice of God through us, at least they will have the right voice. But we have a temptation to want more and more things, more and more power, more and more bigger houses. And let me remind you of that verse, more and more bigger barns. I'll build bigger barns because I've been blessed. I remember the first time I went from making $25 a week as a youth pastor in Eaton, Indiana to $50. And I remember when they tripled that to $150 and I thought, how could I ever spend that money? And I remember when they hired me and they paid me $18,000 and I thought, who could ever want more? And I found out real quick, me. I could want more. And then the first time I got paid $25,000, then $35,000, and then $40,000. And I thought, who could ever want more? Me. If I listen to the wrong voices, I can always want more. See, that's the word that destroys your life. That's the voice from the enemy. The enemy says more, more, more. And so Solomon wanted more. And now his sons want more. But the elders in Rehoboam's life said, if you lighten their load, and it exploded in my spirit. Listen to me, moms. You have one role with your children. If you lighten their load. Did you hear that? Don't ever forget that. It's all about you. You are the pastor of the home. I know, you think I made a mistake by saying that. You thought I should say the dad's the pastor. But moms, you know who's right, Pastor Robin. Come on. You're with those kids 24-7. Now, if you're a stay-at-home dad, I apologize. But most of the dads in this place are not. If you share equally, I honor you. But I have found as a pastor of thousands of people, the mom is the pastor of the home. It's all about you. Will you lighten their load? There's only one way to lighten their load. That is to get your child. I want, I want to throw up some pictures of my kids here uh, and my grandkids, just to lighten the moment here. There's Ada. She's my oldest granddaughter. She's 15. Come on, give it up for Ada. Those are her shoes. We bought those for her birthday recently. And the, on the far right, there's my little granddaughter, June. She's eight years old just last week. Go to the next picture. This is my oldest daughter, Leah. Her husband was not only a Marine, but he was a blue angel. Come on, give it up for that. He's a blue angel. Now he's Lieutenant Colonel. These are my grandkids, Finnegan and Miles and Evelyn. They're awesome. Go to the next picture. This is my son, Brady, and Alicia, his wife. Ellis, see little Ellis there? He's an adopted embryo. Some of you know I told that story. His mother couldn't carry her own embryo. So she sought every way to have a baby, and she met a doctor that helped her understand she could adopt an embryo and implant it in her. And that's Ellis. He's awesome. And then there's Lindy. By the way, after she had Ellis, her body reset. She was told she could never have her own child. And look at little Lindy. Is that, come on, give it up for God. Is he awesome? That's awesome. Now, this next picture is my favorite one. There's Ellis, and I call him Pele. Come on. They play on the same soccer team. This story cracks me up. His name is Mason. And I said, Brady, tell me about Mason. He said, Dad, his mom was a cocaine addict. She tried to have an abortion. She failed. At birth, he was adopted by our neighbor. 
His mother tried to destroy his life. Dad, the adopted parents were told he'll never develop normally. He'll never have mental capacity. He'll be awkward. Can I tell you, the God that we serve, the right voice, all those voices were lying to these parents. Mason is actually an exceptional kid. He potty trained himself at age two. Could we have a prayer for that in here? He is the most athletic kid that my son has ever seen. My son was a star in lacrosse and soccer and everything. He said, Dad, you've got to get this picture in your mind. He goes, my son Ellis, he doesn't even want to play, but Pele's his best friend. So he said, Dad, I had to give Ellis a fruit snack every five minutes to keep him following Mason. Come on. He said, Dad, i got to tell you about the last game. We have five girls on the team, four other guys, and Ellis, and Mason. He said, Mason scores all the goals. He's Pele, Dad. He's Pele. He said, Ellis follows him around. He said, Ellis almost scored a goal, but Mason took it away and scored. (laughs) He said, Dad, finally, this one game, everybody quit. All the girls walked off the field. Ellis sat down to eat his fruit snacks. He said, the boys all quit. It was Ellis against the entire rest of the other team. And we won five to three. Come on. (laughs) Moms, you have one job. To know your kid. Now let me tell you a few more special people in my life. This is my bonus, beautiful bride, Julia. This is Corbin. Corbin was baptized. Come on, give it up. He was baptized two weeks ago. Gracie was baptized and Maggie, none of them were baptized or Christians when I came into this family and they all love Jesus because they're listening to the right voice. Come on, give it up one more time. Give it up one more time. All right, I think that's it. Oh no, I've got to introduce you to my dogs. And I'm gonna tell you why. This is an illustration. Lola's on the left. She was a show girl. Come on, people. She is an emotional mess. She's an emotional mess. She can't not sit right by us. She has to be petted all the time. We actually say, please, Lola, go away. That's what we say. (laughs) Stella, you think she's the oldest? She's the baby. And she's a big baby. She needs counseling. I promise you. You know why she needs counseling? Because Willow, who's eight years old, bullies her all the time. (laughs) Because Willow's never looked in a mirror, so she thinks she's bigger than Stella. Now, you know why I do that for fun? Not only are all of your dogs differently, now listen to me. Your children are uniquely created in the image of God. And moms and dads, you have one job. You have one job. To get your kids. I want you to throw up that slide that says, I get you. We'll come back to that verse. Throw up, I get you for me, would you? No, we're going to come back to that. There's a reason. You have one job. To get your kid. The reason God asked me to write this book is because I've watched so many broken relationships. I can't stand it anymore. I see moms that don't get their kids, or they say they get two of them, the third one they can't understand. I'll never forget when Leah was born. She was a compliant child. We were reading James Dobson. Come on, did you ever read James Dobson? You could have a compliant child, a child, or a strong-willed child, okay? We had Leah first. That's a disaster, because guess what? It's an illusion that you're a great parent. (laughs) It's a total illusion. 
We would go to restaurants. We would go to the grocery store. And we'd say, what's wrong with these other people? Their kids are out of control. We'd get in the car and I'd say, we're just such awesome parents. Leah listens to us. She reasons with. If they would just talk to their children the way we do. I actually was ready to actually start a seminar on raising children. But then Brady Bunch was born. (laughs) Brady came into the world. He was a strong-willed child. He didn't listen to one piece of instruction. We spanked Brady more than 2,000 times. Come on. And we regret every... Listen to me, people. You're going to not like this. We regret every time we spanked him. We spanked him because we didn't know what to do. He was strong. He wouldn't listen to us. We'd go to a grocery store. We'd fill up the grocery cart in Safeway on 40th and Chandler Boulevard in Phoenix. And we'd get to the checkout counter and Brady all of a sudden would just decide to throw himself on the floor. And he'd throw a fit and we'd try to console him and then he was totally out of control. The only reason we knew the manager at Safeway is because we left that store over 10 times with a cart full of groceries. And I said, we'll be back hopefully in a half hour, put the frozen stuff up or find a family that wants exactly what we picked out. No, I promise you. And Brady, he couldn't sleep through the night for four years. No, four years. Until we went to a counselor. This is the wrong voice. The counselor said, lock his door from the outside. And he'll cry for two, three hours, but he'll wear himself out and he'll quit crying. That counselor is crazy. (laughs) He cried all night the first night, all night the second. He didn't sleep for two days. He finally fell asleep in the middle of the day, which is no help to a parent. Then I finally said to Brady at age three, what do you see in your room that makes you so afraid? And he described it to me and I was afraid. (laughs) So we let him come and lay beside a pallet by our bed. We, We had some boundaries, you can't be in the bed. One night he came, most of the nights he'd lay by his mom's side. One night he made a mistake and laid by my side. But dads, when we wake up, we're not conscious of what's going on, I stepped on him, come on. He never laid beside my side of the bed ever again. He wasn't potty trained until he was four years old. And I kept thinking, is he going to be the first kindergartner with diapers? Can I tell you about my son? He is so special. He is so smart. He runs his own business. He's brilliant. And by the way, parents, when you're frustrated and don't think your kids are ever going to change, you're wrong. And he was a tough child even into his teen years. But I could have lightened his load. He was ADHD. So am I. Did you figure that out already? (laughs) That's why we'll get back to the verse. If I remember, don't worry. I could have lightened his load, but I didn't. I said, you could try harder. See, parents say stupid things. You could work harder. You could bring up that D. You know, he brings home two A's, a B and a D, and then an F. And guess what dumb parents say? Do this with it. Practice, really? Practice. Come on, hit yourself. Come on, do it. Do it. Guess what dumb parents say? Bring up that D. Guess what Marcus Buckingham says in his book, Strength Finder? Your kid will never do that subject ever again in his life. Focus on your strengths. Focus on what you know how to do and what you're brilliant at. And so Brady finally, after eight years, put himself through college with a business and religion and Bible major. He was the first one at his university to have a double major in business and Bible. Come on, people. You have to understand your child. And I could have made life easier for him. 
my most embarrassing moment. I used to be hard on him about his grades. I could have lightened his load. I could have said, son, your dad struggled in school. I could have told him the truth, but I didn't do that. I could have. Then one day he went to my closet to look for a tennis racket. And there's a little box in the back of my closet that had my report cards from high school. You want to pause for a moment? He found them. Come on, people. And he marched up to me and he said, I've looked at these, so what's up with your anger? Dad, you're stupid. Come on. And you know what? I didn't punish him. I repented. I said, son, I... I'm so glad you found these. I could have told you my story. I barely got through high school. He asked me, how'd you get through? So I told him the truth. I cheated. Come on, I did. I thought you would laugh at that. Come on. I cheated. No, I did. I wasn't a Christian until college. You guys are so judgmental out there. Jeez. I'll never forget the first paper I got 100 on. The teacher called me in and said, well, I would believe you got this except you crossed one of your answers out and marked the other one. And I said, well, how do you know that I, I cheated? She said, because that's what happened on your neighbor's paper. He crossed it out and marked the right one. Let me tell you something. We can lighten the load of our kids by being a confessional parent. By the way, today's a painful day for most. Not some. This is a painful day for most. I interviewed people on our staff One of the staff people that I love so much, I didn't know his story. His mother died when he was five years old. And he's one of the awesome people on our staff. And not only did that happen, he was the one that found her. And I cried. And we cried together. I don't know if you know this, but Greg's wife, Beth, her mom died when she was nine. And Greg told me this week very passionately, she never loved Mother's Day until she had our two boys. See, God can bring healing, but it comes in different ways. The most important job of any mom or dad is to know your child and to confess to them. The best memories of my kids, they told me this week, Dad, you took us on ski trips after we were 16, 17, and 18, one at a time. And you know, you ride the gondola up, and on that ride up, I said, you can ask me anything about my life. They'd ask me about school. They'd ask me about when I got cut from my basketball team in 10th grade. They'd ask me about my biggest failures. They'd ask me about, Dad, did you struggle in your dating? Did you struggle in sexual choices? You know what? I told them the truth. And that's their best memories. I told them the darkest parts of my upbringing life. When I started drinking, when I got drunk for the first time, And I said, guys, don't do it. See, you think, I want you to do this one more time. You think if you tell your kids your story, that they'll do what you did. Guess what's wrong? If you tell them your story and the brokenness, they'll avoid it. They'll listen to your voice. If you're a confessional parent, if you get your child... If you go the rest of your life saying, I just don't get that child. I just don't get their strong willed or they're just not like me. Of course, they're not like you. And parents that also say, we raised our kids all the same. One more time. Ready? You can't raise your kids the same. They're not the same. Have you ever said, could you be more like your sister? I hope they said back to you, I'm not my sister. I'm not. So this is the pain of parenting. 
My mother was mentally ill. My mother was in bed the last two years of my high school life. So my brother and my sister cooked meals for me. I never was close to my mom after that. I left home at 17, never came back. I loved my mom from a distance. She did some things in my life that were important. She kept me in church when I was a junior. My dad was a pastor. And I wanted to quit going to church. Guess what she negotiated? She, said, she had this brilliant idea. Would you work in the children's department? And I said, yes. If I don't ever have to go hear the preacher, I'll work in the nursery. Come on, people, enjoy me. She negotiated that, and it kept me close to the church. And then I came to Christ at Anderson College when I was 19 years old. And I called her first and said, you kept me from going far astray to the far country. So you can get your kids. It's a painful day with many of us, but it can be glorious. It can be redeemed. We can become the parent God wants us to be. And it's never too late. It's never too late. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service to do something that maybe you haven't done for a long time. So take me to the next passage. This is going to be explosive. Ready? Jesus did his first miracle at a wedding. And guess why he did it? Because of his mom. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? You know the story. They show up at this wedding. They run out of wine. There's nothing more embarrassing in that culture than to run out of wine or food at a wedding. And Mary, since she had Jesus, remember the angel visited her and told her who this son would be. And the Bible tells us in Luke 2 that she pondered this great promise, this great promise from God that her son would be the son of God, the son of the most high, and he would rule over the kingdom of David. Now, here's what's interesting with our text today. These boys are such bad boys, the kingdom is split. And it's never brought back together until Jesus brings it back together. Never until Jesus brings it back together. If you don't break the curse of sin in a family, it will continue until Jesus makes a family whole. So they're at this wedding, and you wonder what Mary's is. She's had to hear all the rumors that she really got pregnant with Joseph. She had sex before marriage. Come on, that's what they were talking about. And Jesus had to hear he was an illegitimate child. You don't think Jesus understands your pain? He had to hear that bullying all of his life. Do you think they believed it when Mary said, I didn't have sex before I got married. God made me pregnant. Come on, people. Nobody believes that. And now she's at a wedding and she's pondered these things in her heart. She knew the capacity of Jesus. She got her son. She gets him. He can do miracles. And so she says to him when the wine runs out, you can do something about this. Read the text later today. And guess what Jesus says? Woman, he doesn't say mom. Woman, it's not my time. It's not my time. And you know what that means, don't you? Mom, you're nagging me. I'm not going to do this. It's not my time. Now, I love the text because it doesn't say any encounter happened after that. Mary just turned to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you to do. Moms, you want a word for yourself today? It's all about you, and will you do whatever Jesus says? See, I'm not going to mess with how you raise your kid, but if you do whatever Jesus tells you to do, you will leave a legacy. This is why Paul says to Timothy, I saw your faith live in your grandmother first, and then your mother, and now lives in you. You want to leave a legacy for your kids? Do whatever he tells you to do. So Jesus, he doesn't argue with his mom anymore. Come on. 
She's a Jewish mom. He's smart. You don't argue with a Jewish mom. He turns to the servants and says, see those six pots? Fill them up with water. And then he touches them. It becomes the best wine at the party. By the way, you know why they ran out of wine, don't you? The disciples went. Come on, people. They're called sons of thunders. They're fishermen. They know how to drink. They're out of wine because of the disciples. And now Jesus turns it into the best wine they've ever had. Let me tell you something. Jesus can solve any issue in your family, any brokenness. He can bring healing if you listen to his voice. If you listen to his voice. So the rest of your life, you have one job, mom. One job, dad. Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. I was sharing with Vicki Jones about my life because she gets me. She serves me every, she helps me plant all of these churches. And I'm not the most organized person, but you know why I look good? Because Vicki's unbelievable. And I told Vicki my story in the church of God and how I became a Christian. I told her about the pain in my family with my mom and all that. And she said, Robin, my grandmother was a church of God person and married my grandfather and they worked at the gospel trumpet. We shared this magical moment about our history. And then she said, my grandmother, Emma, would get me and my sister and we pray beside the bed. I owe my salvation to my grandmother who prayed for me every night. And then my mother took over Sue and Sue prayed for me every night by our bedside. Vicki Jones, she's a star on our team planting churches. And by the way, can I remind you that we have eight new grandchildren and, 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 and children as churches. We have a CrossFit church, you know, that's exploding in Daytona. They baptized double digits on baptism day. They had over 150 attend their service. In Marietta, Ohio, we had over 500. Down in, in Cape Coral with Pastor Paul, he broke, I think, 650 or 678 or something. It was amazing. All together, our church plants had 3,300 people. Would you give that up for God? That's our children. That's our children. And we get them. If we listen to his voice, then we can bless our kids. When I came to Christ, recently after that, I listened to Tony Campolo. And Tony Campolo told a story that changed my life forever of how I could listen to the voice of God. Moms, I hope this changes your life forever. We have a lot of teachers in this congregation, some elementary teachers. Miss Thompson taught fourth grade. Miss Thompson was a Christian woman. And you know what all teachers say? We love all of our kids the same. That's a lie. Come on, laugh at yourself. There's some disruptive kids. There's some kids that never behave. And then there's kids that really love school. But you try to treat them similarly, but it's hard to do. And so Teddy, Teddy Stollard, he was this unkempt kid. He came to school not dressed right. He smelled. His hair was always unkempt. And he just didn't fit in. And all the kids made fun of him. And, and it was hard for Miss Thompson to love him. It was the day before Christmas break, and all the kids brought their gifts for their teachers. All of them wrapped in beautiful packages, beautiful bows. And so they opened all the presents, and everybody was ooing and aahing at every gift they got Miss Thompson, probably purchased by the parents. Come on. Then they got to Teddy, and Teddy came up with a crumpled up brown paper sack. And he emptied it on Miss Thompson's desk. 
and out fell a bracelet and a half-empty perfume bottle. And the kids began to make fun of Teddy. But Miss Thompson was a good teacher and a Christian. She slapped on the bracelet and she said, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? Even though it was missing a few stones. And then she took the perfume and she sprayed it on her. And she said, kids, come close. This smells so beautiful. And they took her cue. And they said, oh, that's beautiful. And she transformed a moment for Teddy, who she knew didn't fit in. Then she dismissed the class for Christmas break. Teddy walked by her desk after everybody had left the room and said, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mom. You smell just like my mom. Miss Thompson left the school that day and went to the files. Teachers have files. And she read that Teddy was doing fine through first grade and second grade and third grade. And then she read that Teddy's mother died. And that's why he was falling behind. And that's why he didn't dress the way he should dress. And his hair was never combed properly. His mom was gone. And she repented. She repented of her mistake. She wanted to get Teddy. So she made a commitment to God. I will tutor him when I go back. And she did that. And she tutored Teddy Stollard all the way through the end of the year. And by the end of the year, he had caught up with all the other classmates. In fact, he had surpassed some of them in his learning. And he started to dress differently. He began to take care of himself. It wasn't until Teddy's senior year that she heard from him again. He had gone through graduation. She opened the letter. Here's what it said. Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know. I graduated at the top of my class. Thank you for changing my life. Teddy Stollard. She didn't hear from Teddy again until four years later. She opened the letter. Dear Miss Thompson, I graduated first in my class at my college. I wanted you to be the first to know. Thank you for changing my life. She didn't hear from him again until he wrote her four years later. Dear Miss Thompson, I forgot to tell you, I went to med school. And as of today, I am Theodore J. Stollard, MD. And she wept as she read it. But then he had a PS. Miss Thompson, I met a beautiful woman while I was in med school. We're going to get married this summer. Miss Thompson, could I ask a huge favor? Will you come and sit where my mom would have sat? And she did, because she deserved to sit there. And all she did was listen to the right voice, the voice of the Father, the voice of Jesus. You could change someone's life. That's the power of every mom in this place. That's the power of every dad. And it's not just that you repent, but you begin to give them the two things they need to hear. If Jesus needed to hear this, your kid needs to hear it. Every mom needs to hear it. Every dad needs to hear it. Jesus was baptized, and as he came out of the water, guess what the father said? You're my son whom I love, and I'm well pleased. So I'm going to ask you to do something at the end of this service, and I hope it's not uncomfortable, and I hope you do it. You can lighten the load of your children. You can let them know 
that you're sorry you didn't lighten their load at a certain point. You can be a confessional parent. You can write them and tell them you love them. You can write them and text them and tell them you're proud of them. I can't tell you how many people, including one of the most important people in my life, who never heard their father say, I'm proud of you. So, of course, I got to do this yesterday because God broke my heart. So I want you to take out your phone. I know we tell you to turn them off in church. Turn them on. Look at me. Turn them on. I'm going to ask you to do what I did yesterday. And you might want to continue this on your way home. I want you to text one of your kids. I want, I want you to either ask them, how can I lighten your load now? Or, hey, I'm sorry I didn't lighten your load back then. But I want you to know one thing. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. I haven't been the perfect mom, the perfect dad. By the way, this is not just for moms. Dads, this is your chance to tell the woman you love in your life, you're an awesome mom. And I know we haven't been perfect at parenting, but I love you and I'm so proud of you. Kids, students, this isn't for moms and dads. This is for you because you've been difficult at times. You've been great at times. Why don't you text your mom or dad right now? So take your phones out. Please take them off. Turn them on. I picked a song that you don't get to sing along with, so don't try, okay? Don't try. (laughs) You're going to love this song. Nate found it. It fits the message so perfectly. Listen to the right voice of God. You can lighten their load. It's all about you. Say it with me. It's all about you. Come on. It's all about you. And then I want you to whisper, it's all about me. God, if I will listen to you, you can bring healing to my family. Jesus, would you help us to lighten the load of our kids? Would you help us to lighten the load of our mom or our dad if they're still here? Lord, would you help us to listen to you? It's all about us, Lord. Will we listen to you? I pray that we will in Jesus' name. Amen.